Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozlov. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Good morning, church. That's how I usually check my microphone. But, but I really greet you, too. <laughs> All right, good morning. Wonderful to be here today. Wonderful to see you guys. Ah. A man received a phone call from his doctor that he recently visited for a regular annual checkup. And the doctor sounds very serious and very concerned. said, I got a two news for you. One is bad, and another one is really, really bad. Which one do you want first? The guy gasps, you know, sits on the chair and recomposes himself and says, hey, well, bring it gently. Give me the bad one. He said, your lab test just came back. And basically, in a nutshell, you have 48 hours to leave. The guy gasps again. And what is the really, really bad one then? He said, I was supposed to call yesterday. I had to use this one for you. Well, I'll be like that doctor today. A little better, though. I have a bad news and I have a good news. But you got to listen carefully so that you won't miss a good one. And also listen carefully so that you won't miss a bad one because it's really relevant. Uh, I'm going to address a condition, sort of a spiritual disease that renders believers ineffective, fruitless, joyless, stale, kind of flat. And actually, this problem is addressed in the Bible in many different passages. I'll primarily use two sources. I will use Second Peter, and I will use a little bit of the book of Colossians. But you can find a different description of the same condition in different parts of the New Testament. But it's pretty much talking about the same thing, just maybe specifically stressing different aspects of it. So here's the bad news. There is a very real problem presented to us in the New Testament. And it's also part of this bad news that you guys are susceptible to that. And most likely, you have already contracted that. You know, speaking of disease and transmission of diseases, and it's trendy now, right? So we know the lingo now. But... There is a problem, there is a condition, there is a spiritual illness that Christians are susceptible to and throughout the church history, most Christians got it. You are not an exception. Most likely you got it. But there's a good news, and the good news is that you don't have to settle for it. God provides the solution, a treatment, that is so extremely effective that as soon as you start taking it, it alleviates any negative effect of this condition almost immediately. And you don't have to live with this. You don't have to settle for it. You don't have to learn to live with this. You know some chronic pains and ailments that we have, we kind of have to learn to live with them. We have to cope. I work in a physical job and it messes me sometimes and Some of the things, I just have a hard time getting up in the morning. And throughout the day, I kind of work it out. And by the end of the day, I kind of don't notice it. But it's there. 
So with this one, you don't have to live with this. This is a good news. And for the lack of a better word, I call this condition spiritual amnesia. How many of you know what amnesia is? You know what amnesia is? It's a, it's a disorder that damages your memory. Long-term, short-term, doesn't matter. I mean, different versions of it. Also, you can call it, if you read the Bible, uh, uh, spiritual myopia. You know what myopia is? No? I sound like a doctor now. I can write the way you can't read. Well, it's, it's basically short-sightedness. It's when you only see things right before your nose. If you look a little further, everything's blurry. You can't see anything. That's myopia. So the spiritual condition most uh, reflects in the natural terms is amnesia, when your memory is damaged, and myopia, when you can't see clearly beyond your nose, basically. So as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll use Second Peter to show you this problem, and also Galatians. I'll show you the root of this problem. And it's up to you to identify whether you have it or not, whether it's relevant to you or not. If not, you're, feel free to get up and walk. Don't waste your time. But the problem is it's relevant for most of us. I know for my, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. So we guys love self-test, you know. Self-test, self-evaluation tools, like to check how we're doing, to give us some metrics, like what we're like. You know, those things on Facebook are very popular. Like, check who you are, like what kind of a hero you are among the superheroes or whatever. So we want to be, and we also like formulas. We like uh, st strategies. We like life hacks. Do you know what life hack is? That's a popular word right now among young people. We like to optimize life, make it better, make it easier, make it more effective. Like, you got the idea. So, if you're not careful, I'm going to read Second Peter chapter 1. If you're not careful, you might easily think that it's a life hack. It's a formula for your spiritual advancement in life, but it's not. So, bear with me. Focus now, because it's kind of a New Testament, bulky, convoluted text. I'll walk you through that carefully. There is a key test in there that will help you to self-evaluate. So Karen, I, I guess she doesn't need that message. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Karen. <laughs> All right. So let's so focus now. I'm going to read this text. I'm going to walk you through that. We're not going to get into many details. I want you to see the whole picture, and I want you to see the punchline at the end that actually has a self-diagnosis and points out to the root problem. And it's really up to you to decide whether it's relevant to you or not. So I'm not the one to tell you that. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning from chapter 1, I'll read from verse 1 all the way through verse 9. Listen carefully. Follow, try to follow the train of thought here. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who he's addressing these words to. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, listen to that, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine life. 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's a preliminary. Now we come to the thing. Listen to that carefully. Also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, that faith that he spoke of in the beginning, precious faith, add to that faith virtue. To virtue, I, I'm not going to unpack what virtue is. For many of us, it's an abstract word that doesn't mean much. But, like, see the big picture. You have precious faith. Add to that faith virtue. And to the virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. And to perseverance, another strange word that not many understand, godliness. Add godliness to that. And to godliness, add brotherly kindness. You're like, among everybody, you're, you're, you're like with your brother or sister, your family member that you like. You like. You like them. And that's not enough. Is that not enough? No, that's not enough. Add to that love. So if you're in a if you're not careful, you might think that this is a strategy for advancement in the spiritual life. That's a natural conclusion. But listen to that. Here comes the test for self-evaluation that Peter uses. He says, if these things are yours, they're present in your life, and abound, actually, I looked at different translation and I looked at the Greek, it means if they're present in your life, and if they're increasing constantly increasing growing so it's not a thing that you attain you achieve and you put it on the shelf and now it's part of your collection no it's a living growing dynamic reality that is present in your life it's something living it's something growing it's something moving so he says if this reality is present in this ever-increasing growing way listen you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, in other translation, I looked at Greek, it says you won't be idle. You won't be just sitting on your blessed assurance doing nothing. You'll be, you'll be involved. There will be stuff going on around you. And there will be real fruit. You know what fruit is? The fruit is when the Holy Spirit produces something heavenly through you. Listen to that. But if... But for he who lacks these things, and there we come to the important point, who lacks these things. And you know what? I will honestly be telling you that in many cases, I lack these things. And don't be a hypocrite. You lack these things, guys. You do. So here's what happens. He points out why do we lack these things. He said... For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Here comes the word. He doesn't see clearly beyond his nose. Even to blindness. And has forgotten. Here comes the memory damage. Has forgotten about that he was cleansed from his old sins. And that's the condition I'm talking about. That is so common. It, it, you contract it very soon after you become a believer. So, the second book of the New Testament I want to refer to in relation to this problem is Galatians. The book of Galatians is addressed to people who contracted the same disease. And Paul is addressing 
this book, this letter to them in a very strong terms. The only shocking difference is that Paul has been an experienced apostle. He knew about this problem. He knew that he would come to places uh, full of people who believe in idols and false religions. They worship idols. And he would preach the gospel to them. And those people would believe. And they would be filled with joy. And the new life will be experienced by them. And he knew that if he is not careful, if the elders, if, if, if pastors are not careful, these people very soon will drift into something else and they will start losing this joy and this reality. So he was well aware of this problem, but he was shocked with Galatians. Galatia is a big province. It's like the state of Ohio. All throughout the state of Ohio, all throughout the... The region of Galatia, there were home churches that were filled with joy and reality of God's presence. And they were preaching the gospel. And within a matter of maybe a year, they turned into something else. They continued to gather. They continued to turn to the Bible. They continued to talk about the same things. But they were not the same. The initial joy faded away. The initial reality, tangible reality of God's presence in their life. The hope that infused them was rapidly fading away. And Paul knew the problem. And Paul addressed the problem. He used different terms for describing that. He said, you were running well, Galatians. Somebody stopped you. You stopped. You're not running anymore. He said, you started by the Spirit, and now you're trying to finish what, what was started by the Spirit, by your own flesh, by your own efforts. Somehow there's no more room for God to operate among you. Something put a spell on you, he said. And he, he's saying this, Jesus Christ was portrayed before your very eyes, you saw a 3D picture of Christ crucified for you. And you don't see it anymore. Here comes the vision damage. And then he summarizes this problem in a very simple terms. He said, you guys, you were running on this highway and you took an exit and you didn't even notice that it happened. You're on a different road now. And you're not aware of that. He said, here's what happened. He said, you turned to another gospel. You turned to another gospel. Are you hearing me, people? And immediately he adds, there is no other gospel. So whatever you turn to is nothing. But the, the, the problem is that you turned away from the real thing, from the most important thing, from the very heart of a Christian faith. So today I'm here to remind you and to tell you that this problem is very common for all believers all throughout the world. Trust me, I, I was a translator, translator for Christian ministers of all sorts. I traveled throughout the huge country of Russia. I traveled the world. I've been in Europe, Middle East. This problem is still there, and it's common, and most likely it's a problem for us here. We quickly turn to another gospel, and we lose the initial reality of God's presence in our life, His joy, His embrace. So it's very important to, to find out what, what is the gospel. Dennis, if it's that important, tell us what is the gospel. I'm glad you asked, Neil. 
<laughs> yeah, I will. Well, simply speaking, for those of you who are new to Christian faith, maybe, the word gospel comes from Greek word evangelizo. That's, that's a verb to, or basically the English word evangelical. Evangelical comes from the same word. That means evangelie in Russian. That means a really, really, really good news. So the opposite of what the doctor told the guy. The opposite of that. So I call you, I come to you to deliver you news that will fill you and infuse you with joy. Good tidings, great news for you personally. Not just abstract news for some people out there. For you, Neil. For me, Dennis. For you, Derek. Good news. So what is that good news? On the outside, it's a good news about a man who was born in Bethlehem who was raised in Nazareth, who proclaimed to be Messiah, Christ of God, the Anointed One, who came and John testified about him, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was put to death and he rose again. God raised him up. That's on the, on the outside. You know what it is on the inside? On the inside, this is a crazy news. Oh, I'm getting into a dark spot. I'm, I was told to, be, to stay in the light. Stay in the light, people. So, on the inside, this is the news that the excellent one, sinless one, righteous one of God, who had no blame, no shame, no nothing, no guilt, came to give his life for you. <clears throat> he took your rottenness, your sinfulness, your curse, your moral twistedness, your everything that is wrong about you. He took it upon himself, absorbed it into himself, took it into the death, took it into the pit of hell, received all of 100% of God's wrath poured upon him that you and I deserved and he didn't. Absorbed it all and Instead, all of his excellence, all of his righteousness, all of his uprightness, all of his whatever it is that God says, I love this. This is my beloved son, the only one that I love. I find my delight in him. He imputed that to you. That's the gospel. That's a crazy, too good to be true kind of news. That's the gospel. It, it defies human logic. It defies everything. It, it destroys religion. It destroys any kind of religion. It destroys even Christian versions of religion. It destroys it. It shreds it. I have a dream to shoot the big caliber uh, machine gun. Never done it. I just saw it on the movies. It looks cool. You just... Pointed to something and just shred it to pieces like a barn. Maybe Derek and I one day will go to Kentucky and do that. But that's what happened to you. You could not be improved. Religion, law, rules, regulations would not help. The only thing that would help would be death. And it was applied to you. But if it would be applied to you, you would be dead forever. Christ, the one who couldn't die, died on your behalf so that you would live. So that he would become your very life. That's the good news. And as soon as it proclaimed, 
People hear it. People believe it. People get infused with life. The Holy Spirit of God touches those people and makes God a real living reality for them. They got infused with the Spirit of God. God becomes real for them. They don't need idols anymore. They don't need religion anymore. They don't need law anymore. They don't need temple anymore. They become the temple. God moves in. Jesus brings God into them and he brings them into God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And it's all about Jesus. There's nothing about you there. There's nothing about your efforts. There's nothing about what you could do. There's nothing about your promise keeping. There's nothing about your dedication of your life or rededication of your life. You got the point? That's the gospel. And Paul said, this spiritual disease gets on you when you turn away from it. When you turn away from it, you're guaranteed that your spiritual memory will be damaged. And your spiritual eyesight will be damaged. And you'll become more and more like a vegetable, spiritually speaking. I mean, you still function, you do stuff. But this initial joy faded away. I told you I have this gift to make things heavy. <laughs> That's a mystery of exchange. I know my personal story. I know Neil's story. He's a friend of mine. And some of you, many of you know Neil's story. I know Martin Luther's story. They all have something in common. <clears throat> so it's maybe your story too that you experienced that interesting dynamics. You came to hear the gospel. Your heart leaped of joy and you believed it. And the joy began to fill your life and hope began to fill your life. And you begin to be a different person. Like life, you begin to look at things in different eyes. And you were like seeing it as, a, as an ever-growing process. This dynamic that Peter talks about began to happen in your life. You got precious faith and things started getting added to this precious faith in you. Faith in Jesus. But then something happened, it, it started fading away. And after a while you find yourself, it's all theory, it's all in my head. I have knowledge, but this reality is kind of gone. And some of you drifted away, but some of you rolled up your sleeves and said, I'm going to mean business with the Lord. I'm going to dedicate my life. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get back to that point. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray my prayers every day. I'm going to get up early in the morning. I'm going to witness to people. I'm going to involved as a volunteer in the church. And you started doing things. And after a while, you crushed and burned. But this joy never returned. Because you still were doing the same thing that Galatians did. You were turning to another gospel. American, America is a great country. I love America. It has so much freedom. There is a free market. And this free market is also in Christian world. And Christian market offers tons of products. Very good ones. Biblical ones. But if you are not established in this initial message of this crazy exchange that has happened on the cross of Christ crucified, almost guaranteed that most of these products will become a different gospel that you would turn to. 
You would start elevating and bringing something else, something biblical, some, whatever it is. Even Neil's integrated healing, which I so respect. I'm so glad that God showed him certain things to help people and people receive help. But if you're not establishing the gospel, even this thing, integrated healing, will become a different gospel. Everything will become a different gospel. And I'm telling you, you, you just go to websites of Christian bookstore, go to Christian bookstore, if there's such thing anymore, you'll see like tons of things. And it becomes a different gospel. And I don't want you. <clears throat> and you actually enjoy, you know, we are all different. We have different propensities. So you'll find something that you like out there. I'll find something that I liked out there. But the point is the same. You won't regain this joy of reality of the Lord in your life. Because there's only one way to get it. It's the gospel. It is the crazy message of the gospel. Can I hear an amen to anything I said? Thank you. Thank you. Because like, are you guys getting it? I hope you are. Anything and everything will become another gospel that will take, that will make you spiritually sick and fruitless. If you take away your eyes from Jesus Christ crucified for you <clears throat> and resurrected by God and proclaimed as your true life and everything that you need. So I want our church here, no matter what we do, no matter what we talk about, I want the gospel to be present all the time here. I want every message to have a gospel element. Whether by word or by signs like the communion, bread and wine, because that's the message of the gospel. That's a reminder. As I was getting ready for the message, I noticed an interesting thing. Paul... Paul said, I don't remember exactly, Neil can help me, in one of the books of the New Testament, he said, I know that some people preach the gospel out of the wrong motives, out of the wrong, mixed, bad motives. And he said, I am so happy because people are getting saved. So here's a jerk, manipulator, and he preaches the gospel. People are genuinely saved. That's why you should never be afraid or ashamed to preach the gospel, even if you've done something horrible five, 15 minutes before. Preach the gospel, dude. It's not about you. It's about what Christ has done. People will be saved. So Paul is happy when people are preaching the gospel out of the wrong motives, but he's mad when people bring religion and that try to add to the gospel because people shift their focus and get the spiritual disease immediately. Do you notice that? In America, the problem is the gospel is still proclaimed, but it's introduced to unbelievers only. Unbelievers receive the news, they get joy, and immediately, almost immediately, they're encouraged to advance, to move on to more advanced teachings, things, formulas, ideas, concepts, theologies. And they forget the gospel. And the same bad dynamic happens. Again and again. Paul, the, the most advanced apostle in the New Testament, if you read carefully his descriptions of his ministry, to the very end, he says, I am the pre I'm, I'm doing the priestly ministry of preaching the gospel. He writes to the book of Romans. He said, I heard about your church. Romans is the most theologically profound and advanced book. But in the beginning of Romans, he says, 
as far as I'm concerned, I am willing and ready to preach the gospel to you. So Romans is the gospel. So please get rid of the idea that the gospel, this crazy message of this crazy exchange that took place in Christ Jesus on the cross is something that is just 101, that is just spiritual milk. And then you need to advance and graduate from that to spiritual meat. Please don't. Paul knew that if church is sick, he needs to cut off everything else and only know Christ and Him crucified. That's what we need, people. Every time you have any bad symptoms, you know what you do? You go into the bed, you drink this broth or whatever you do here in America, and you act like you, do, you can't do anything around the house. But first thing you do when you feel any symptoms of spiritual disease, you feel like your memory begins to be damaged or your eyes begin to be blurry, go back to the gospel. Please, please. I'm going to show you a video right now. And this video is a great illustration of what happens to you when you, find, when you got into this bad condition and when you begin to hear this music of the gospel. This video about, uh, I'm saying this for the sake of those who are going to listen to that on our website so they don't see the picture. You can Google it. People who listen to us over the internet, I'm talking to you. You can go and Google video of Marta Gonzalez. When she was young, she was an amazing prima ballerina, I guess in one of the Spanish-speaking countries, maybe in Spain. I don't know the background story. Today, she is in a very advanced age. She has full-blown Alzheimer. She doesn't really know what is she, who is she. She doesn't remember things. She's a vegetable in a sense. Look at what happens when she begins to hear the music that once was the main theme for her dance. Look what happens. That's what happens to you when you hear the gospel again and again. Please run the video.
It went viral. That's what happens to you guys when you hear the music of the gospel. You once heard it, and you might have forgotten it. You might have turned to other tunes. All it takes is just to turn back to hear the same music. So I want to call you. If your life is like a story in a movie, every movie has a theme, music theme. Make the message of the gospel, the crazy message of what happened because Jesus Christ has come and died and rose again, the main theme of your life. The meaning, the happiness is found when you fully give yourself to something that is bigger than you. We're not capable of doing it on our own because we're so, so absorbed by ourselves. We need to see something so much beautiful, so much bigger, that we will have this blessed self-forgetfulness. We'll forget about ourselves. Artists know, know it. Athletes know it. They, they refer it to being the zone when they just kind of cease to exist in the process. We're called to this life. And the gospel is what will set us free, will give us spiritual growth and everything. So please, 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 Neil, please, let us establish people in the gospel. Let us make sure no religious teaching, no matter how good it is, will take them away from this firm, 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 unshakable foundation. God's embrace is yours in Christ Jesus. He looks at you and he says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Here's the hug. And now out of that hug, when all your needs are met, you can, you can do. You, you have no idea how much you can do. Not because of your religious zeal, but because of heart that has been set free by the message of the gospel. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.